Uh, if you're just visiting, my name is Jose, and we're making our way towards Christmas. And um, for us, that means uh, a series pointing towards Jesus. And this year, we're calling the series uh, Joy to the World. And so here's what we want you to do um, as we're making our way. A couple of things, if this is your church home that you ought to know about. Uh, people have been asking, what are we doing for Christmas actual celebration? Well, we are meeting at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on December the 24th. Our tradition is to do it Christmas Eve. And then the Sunday after that, we take off so that our, our, our volunteers who serve all year long, our staff who serves faithfully, can celebrate it post-Christmas with their family, okay? So December 24th, 4 and 6, they will be identical. They will be kid-friendly. They will be one hour long. There will be plenty of Christmas music and reading of scripture and snow and Santa, no. But, you know, like we'll have all the things. So December 24th, mark your calendar. We would love for you to be here. For those of you watching online, this isn't a statement, it's just a reality. Our entire team that does video will be out of the state. So we are not able to live stream on December the 24th. We apologize for that, but we would love to invite you to be here um, in person if you are able to. Second thing uh, is we've been talking for the last month, six weeks, about uh, the vision to renovate this space. And just a quick update, you've been super faithful to rise up. Um, we're creating three rooms behind us. Uh, we're creating a, a kitchen that we do not have right now. Uh, we're, we're doubling the size of bathrooms. All that we've been talking about, and the cost is about eight fifty for construction. Wisdom says fifteen percent for just in case. So about a million. We have been asking you uh, to, on top of regular giving, we are at eight hundred and thirty-six thousand as of this morning. That's been pledged or received. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Like that's like, that's just. Um, it's because of the goodness of God through his people. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, we're almost to the point where we could say yes to do it, but we really want to have those other funds on hand. Once you start, you don't stop. And the church said, amen. You just can't. And so we're inviting you. Some families have yet to respond. Go to our give page. Uh, if you're not able to give above and beyond, that is not a problem, right? I'm just asking every family fill out the card then as a church, we would know our entire family has answered what way they can give. So you could give at the end of the year or next year. All those are there. Go to our Give page. It takes two minutes, not even, to fill it out. That would help us as our team assesses start times and all of that. We would like to see it all pledged before we actually blow out a wall. All right, that's that. That's, that. that's important. And this is reason for us to rejoice, man. God has been good to us, and it means that he's going to do great things in people's lives in the coming year. All right, with that, I want to pause, get our, our souls quieted, get our Bibles, our apps open to Luke 1, and pray, and then we're going to get right to work. Lord, we thank you for a new day. We thank you that the calendar is marching us towards a real remembrance of your real coming, Lord. You really left the heavens and you were really born in the most obscure place to save us. And we want to say thank you. We don't understand why you love us this much. We're confused by you, why, why you would go through such great lengths to care for people who don't even necessarily give you the time of day. 
But Lord, we are here in this space together, united around following you. So help us, Lord, while everyone's thinking, thinking about just the externals and the small things that make the season so beautiful, we want to keep the main thing the main thing. We want you, Jesus, to be central, not just in word, but in the way we actually think and live and treat one another. So help us, God, to make the most of this season so that our following of you is more rich and meaningful and life-transforming. God, that's our prayer. Do what we pray. Amen. Okay, so we sang the song, uh, Joy of the World, with a little Phil Wickham spin on it. And uh, what I want us to do is to start, because the theme is joy to the world. So let's just say the words together, because I'm a horrific singer, so this is not going to be a cappella singing. Just, just say it together. The words should be on the screen. Uh, let's wait till they come up, and we'll say it together. All right, ready? One, two, three. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Oh, man, I got my little singing in there. All right, okay. A surprise. Christmas is filled with surprises. Uh, some are wrapped under the tree. Some show up in song. You may not know it, but this is the most popular Christmas hymn in all of North America that was not written about Christmas. That was not written as a song. It's actually written by Isaac Watts in 1719, and he published a book on the Psalms of David, not thinking about your Christmas celebration or Phil Wickham's rendition of it. He was writing, thinking about Jesus and the Psalms, and he was a prolific writer and poet and, and hymn for the church uh, writer, but he, he wrote them as reflections throughout the Psalms, and this one came to him from Psalm 98. And so instead of, in his book, instead of just writing out the actual Psalm, he took some creative license and, and looked at them in light of Jesus, who when you think of the king in the Psalms, is pointing towards the coming Messiah. Psalm 98, 4, I'll just put it on the screen just for you to see the reflection. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. And so he interprets the King as speaking of Jesus, who will be the King of the church and the King of the world. And it had nothing to do with Christmas. It wasn't until 100 years later that someone reworked some of his poetic lyrics, put it to Handel's music, and created a song that you and I, I enjoy. Christmas is just filled with surprises, right? It's filled with parties and presents, which I love. I'll send you a link to my Amazon list if you're curious. But it's also a time of profound sadness for many and trouble. So this is one of these interesting holidays. Uh, reading from Psychology Today, I read an article that talked about there is more stress, and surveys are finding more stress, more anxiety, more depression between the period of Thanksgiving and the start of the new year than most other times of the year. And in this article, they gave one survey by the American Psychological Association that uncovered some interesting data about how people respond to the holidays. I'll just give you some of the highlights. While people reported you know, feelings of happiness, love, and high spirits, 
Those emotions, the article said, were also accompanied by, quote, fatigue, stress, irritability, bloating, weird one, sadness. The bloating really got me. I have to confess. I was reading like, really? Thanksgiving hangover? I don't, I don't. But, but these are feelings that we experience. 38% of the people surveyed in this particular one uh, said their stress increased in the holidays for these reasons. A lack of time. Do you feel that? A lack of money, commercialism, the pressure of gift giving and family gatherings. See, for some, this is like the best time of the year and you decorate in August. For others, it's like, can we limit it to three hours and get it over with? Because we all don't feel the same way when it comes to Christmas. Joy to the world and fatigue and stress and, and irritability and sadness. Seasonal stress is a real thing. And yet, uh, joy to the world for us who follow Jesus. What, is, what does that actually mean? Like, what we want to do is discover the next four weeks, including Christmas Eve, what joy is and why the world is different because of the advent of Jesus. Write down this line. It's going to kind of drive the, the, what we believe joy to be. Uh, write it down. The source of true joy is a person, capital P. The source of, of true joy, as we look at Luke 1, what we're going to see is that joy is more than a feeling. Joy is more than emotion. Joy is more than nostalgia. The source in the biblical narrative of joy is a person. And so as we make our way towards Christmas, many of you are, are celebrating the season called Advent. And if you follow the church calendar, there are four weeks, hope, joy, peace, and love and candles that represent each. Whether you do that or not, this year I want to center every one of those weeks on joy. And here's why. We have experienced so much. I think in our world today, we need an absolute overdose of joy. Don't OD, except if you're going to OD on joy. Amen. We need an overdose of it. It's like if you're starting to feel ill, pump that vitamin C, not too much, you know, but pump or get your little zinc confusion or whatever you do. At the early signs of trouble, you sometimes up to combat what's happening. And in all that's going on, the seasonal stress that we're facing, the family gatherings that we're dreading, the time crunch and the commercialism and the money and, and, and all that comes out of that, we need an antidote, and I think the antidote is to overdose on, on the person who is joy. So every week we want to look at one element of joy. Today, it's just to lay the foundation. Joy, true joy, is in a person. Okay, well, now, where do I get this? I get it from the Bible. Luke 1, starting verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. We just get the, we get the details from Luke because he wants us to know these are people who actually follow God. Both of them were righteous. They did what's right in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So Luke, in, in giving us the setting of the coming of Jesus, 
lets us know about a couple. How many of you can identify? Say, you know, like I'm like Zachariah. I keep all of the Lord's laws and statutes in his heart. I do it perfectly. I'm like Elizabeth. I'm faithful. I'm righteous. I'm not. Most of us say, well, actually, not, not really. But this couple, we know, is honoring God in the way that they live, and yet they find themselves in a challenging place. Um, they want a family and not, are not able to even actually know. The challenge is her. She is not able to conceive. And from this, we remember that joy isn't the absence of trouble. Joy is the presence of God in the middle of trouble. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God in the middle of conflict. It's not the absence of heartache. It's the heart of God in the middle of the ache. And you and I need to be reminded if we're looking for perfect circumstances to cultivate joy, we'll never find it. But if we find God, the person, best seen in Jesus, the Son, then we can navigate all of our life's disappointments and find ourselves Joyful. It says later in the text um, that they felt shame because of their inability to have a family. And God removed their shame. Now, what happened? Well, verse, uh, verse 8, let's just continue. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple and to burn incense. So he's just doing his job. Like he's a godly person doing what's been asked of him. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So Zechariah goes in, everyone's praying, talking to God, listening to God. Then an angel or a messenger of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. This is not an ordinary day. That's what you need to see. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear, but the angel, the messenger, said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. And notice, they bring their disappointment to God. Um, if you want to increase joy in the middle of a mixed bag season, what we can do is we could be like Zechariah and Elizabeth and present these things instead of the disappointment in their life pulling them away from the heart of God. The disappointment of their life is seen as part of following God. So Zechariah is faithful. Elizabeth is faithful just to stay in tune with God even though they're not getting what they want. But God says, I'm gonna answer your prayer. Now about John, verse 14. He, John, he'll, he'll be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. How about that? If God says through his messenger, your kid's gonna be awesome. You think your kid's awesome anyway. You just may be untrue. I mean, you may, your kid may not be that awesome. But in this case, John is going to be, I didn't say your kid wasn't awesome. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying you may have an overinflated view of your own child. <laughs> he is never to take wine or fermented drink and he'll be filled with the spirit even before he's born. And notice what's told about his life. He, John, will bring many of the people of Israel back to the Lord their God. All right, if we read the Christmas narrative too quickly, we think that Jesus is the only thing that Advent is about. And what we're going to realize very quickly is, yes, Jesus is central and Jesus is coming is what it's about. But you see the great work of God in how he's going to rescue the world 
in Elizabeth and Zechariah and John the Baptist before you see it about Jesus himself. And so don't get me wrong, Jesus is the center, but we learn from the Holy Spirit that joy is about what God is doing in and through all of his people. So faithful people like Zachariah and Elizabeth are a part of what God is doing. And this is going to be a great encouragement to us because you may not feel like your life is amounting to much. You may not feel like you're making the difference that you would like to make. But when we take a step back and we look at the coming of Jesus, we realize that he, he worked through all sorts of people, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And later, uh, next week, we're going to look at the life of Mary. And you have, you have Joseph and you have all of these other people. You, you have shepherds and you have wise men. You have lots of people are, who are working together to weave the thing that God is doing. And so God answers the prayer of a hopeless couple. And this is why they can say, and this is why we can say, joy to the world. Because joy is tied, it's not tied to circumstances, it's tied to a person. And while they're to rejoice in the coming of John, John, for them, even as parents, is not going to be the center of their joy. It's going to be the impossible. The God of the impossible has come to them. The God of the impossible is, is, is hearing their cry to be a part and to see their family line continue. And as they've been following God, to raise someone up to follow God. And even before John is born, they get a hint of what's to come. God's going to use their son to bring many back to God. Which means, by the way, side note but important, we live in a world where anything is impossible because of what we just read. Anything, I'm sorry, anything is possible because of what we just read. Anything is possible. The impossible circumstances have a solution. When God is present, all things are possible. And so as we pray, this is the reminder for us this Christmas season, even with our disappointments, let's bring those things that seem impossible to us, let's bring them to God who does what seems impossible for us is possible for him. And by the way, we've got to be careful though, at the same token, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth are given a child that doesn't mean everyone who longs to have a family will be given a child, Right? Uh, and so we can't extrapolate just from here, like everyone who has a desire for something gets exactly what they're asking for. But everyone who is faithful to God finds God. Everyone who pursues God, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks, anyone who's looking gets to, to experience Jesus in the process. And so when you know that God is working well beyond us, we can come to him with, with our impossibilities. I, I think about... Um, situations like this where it seems like uh, there's little hope. Uh, there happened to be here in the room this morning, um, David and Casey. I love this couple and I love their family. And I did tell them I was going to talk about them. So um, if I ever talk about you, it's because I told you I was going to talk about you. I don't just like, you know, talk about people without them knowing. But some of you know, um, they had, you know, a boy and a girl and then they uh, got pregnant again and discovered they were having twins, which is delightful and frightening at the same time. We realized they're going to have four under four in the house. Four kids is enough. That's a lot. But four kids under four is another challenge. But if you remember, if you were a part of the church, they got some news midstream about these precious girls that were still in the womb that was disheartening. And there was real risk and, and lots of unknowns and lots of questions and lots of 
doctor's visits. And I remember having them up here on the stage. And us as a church, if you were here, you remember, we were praying because we were having some major tests and things were not looking great. And, and praying and realizing that God is faithful and he answered our prayer. And he brought these girls both determined. They're so beautiful and they're here with my wife right now. Like, you know, they're learning about Jesus and they're causing trouble in their home. It's just wonderful. And every time I see them, I realize a couple of things. Parenting is exhausting. Some of you with kids who are in another room right now saying, yes, Lord, may this church gathering go on and on because, because right now I'm getting a break. It's exhausting. And, it, and it, it really does take all of us to build into a family life. And I also remember that we ought to rejoice over the simple things like the gift of life. Life is a gift. And every person matters, and every life matters, and every child matters. So the birth of John the Baptist is a miracle. Not only are the parents, and here's my point, not only the parents are going to rejoice, when you experience the presence of God in the middle of what you're going through, and you see God, not just your circumstances, but God at work, it produces joy in you, knowing that God's with you, and that he's for you, and he's not against you, and he's going to carry you through. What it also does is it produces joy in the people around you. And that's what we see in this uh, first couple that lead to the coming of Jesus. Now, what does this say about us? A couple of obvious things that might not be so obvious. We can experience joy even in our hopeless seasons. I think their experience reminds us everything doesn't have to be already together for us to know the presence of God. Because Zechariah is faithfully worshiping, Elizabeth is faithfully worshiping, even though they haven't had an answer to their prayer yet. And so you can experience God's presence even if you don't see the results. And God is bringing about life in places where there seems to be no hope. Elizabeth Barron, she receives a child. Mary, how about this one? If that wasn't miracle enough, uh, Mary is not yet married and has no husband and she conceives a child. Now, if that's not mind-blowing, if you ever wondered, could, could God, could God, could God? The answer is an astounding yes. God can, and he will. So we're not limited by what we can think as possible. So we ought to rejoice for us together that we belong, we belong to this God. We belong to the God of Mary. And Zechariah and Elizabeth. Second thing is we can experience joy as we celebrate our place in God's plan. We have a place. This is not just Jesus' center. It's not just about the advent, the coming of the Messiah. It's about how God has been moving all of history in this direction. The first half of the entire book is about, about getting ready for his coming. And then after Jesus comes and does all that he does and dies and rises again and ascends to the Father and says, I'm coming. Until then, I'm preparing a place for you. You know what you see? The presence of God with his people in all sorts of real ways. So yes, we look to the past as Jesus came, but we look to the past knowing that God's at work in the present and, and he wants to work through ordinary people like us. The reason people name their children Elizabeth and John, you know, and Joseph and Mary and all these people is not because they were someone special. What made them name-worthy is the presence of God. They were ordinary no-one's. Zechariah is not the high priest. 
He's not the top of the class. He's one of the regular people on the regular rotation in the house of God. And no one even knows who Mary is. She says no one as someone can be a no one, but the presence of God changes that. Now, let's just keep looking. How does this joy spread from place to place and people to people? I'm going to jump down and we're going to look at verse 39. I'm going to skip over for just for today um, the, the part where the angel speaks to Mary. We'll look at that next week. She deserves her own week. I mean, if you give birth to Jesus, you, at least you get your own week, right? So, so we'll come back to her. But verse 39, she's already heard that she's going to have a child. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in a loud voice. She exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. In verse 43, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears? The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Mary is carrying God in her womb. Oh, man. Um, this is about more than trees and, and tinsel and parties. God has come. And has not only come to rescue his world, he, he's come to envelop himself inside the womb of a humble young girl. And this is how God is going to reach us. And that's mind-blowing. And then you got these two ladies who just chat about their baby bumps. Like, you know, oh, you're looking a little pudgier than me. No, you're not. You know, like, oh, that dress looks great on you. And they're, they're just doing their little thing and like, like good moms to be, like comparing the process. He keeps me up at night. It's not in the Bible, but let's get some color. Like, you know, and I've been, I've been sick. I've been just, you know, up chucking the matzo soup for weeks now. And so, but at this, we see John the Baptist leaps in the womb, a massive kick in Elizabeth's ribs while they're there. It's interesting. The first person to recognize Jesus is an unborn baby. Now, that's an interesting one. He's not born, but alive. And in a culture that devalues life, what this reminds us is God's the author of it, so much so that John knows, John in the womb knows who he is with. And, and we need to remember that. The, the baby leaps for joy. Joy, what? In the presence of the Savior. And how much more should we recognize the reality of Jesus? If, if John could, when he's yet to take his own first breath. In verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on. All generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So you have Elizabeth's words from the spirit. The spirit causes her to bless Mary. And then you have Mary from the same Holy Spirit, the joy in, in John being in Elizabeth, leaps over and spills over to Mary. And Mary, out of joy, gives these words of give encouragement to us. And we see that, that Mary can rejoice in what the Spirit of God is doing, which means that genuine joy comes from knowing we are a part of the big thing that, that God is is doing, and, and this doesn't end, because it continues, let's just jump down to verse 56. So Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, 
and then returned home. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And notice, they shared her what? They shared her joy. So you have a, a couple that's just living in a way that pleases God, and God meets them, and there's joy in their home. And that joy spills over to Mary, who hears from God too, and wow, God's working in you, and God's working in me, and God's going to work through our kids, and that leads to joy. And then, then John's actually born, and everyone in all the towns and villages, look, when you realize that this beautiful, prayerful couple uh, have had their dreams and their prayers answered by God. I mean, it just, it's a ripple effect. So the joy that God wants to produce in you matters for more than you. Christmas is about more than you. It's about more than your family gathering. It's about more than your memories. It's about more than the card. It's about more than the posts. It's about more than the trips. It's about more than the meals. It's about remembering God. And this God who's present and faithful and near and here, producing in us, in the middle, of, because as you're going to see, the whole story of Christmas is, is crazy. Jesus being born in a place that his parents would have never chosen. And then him being attacked and them running for their lives. This is not a sterilized, neutral, everything's happy, everything's good kind of occasion in the middle of all the madness because joy it's not about the absence of problems, it's about the presence of God in the middle of all of them. And when you see God in the middle of it, it produces something in you that spills over to the people around you. Haven't you just been there when someone's heard that good news? You know, that good news. And you, like even in our community group, um, just hearing of newness of life and, and just sitting on a couch and having a friend just saying like, we're expecting, we all look around like, did I hear right? I don't want to be socially awkward. I don't want to be the first one to jump up and down. And yeah, yeah here, we're going to have a baby. And then sometimes you hear it and then you realize we lost the baby. Like we get all of that. But yet we recognize together that God hasn't abandoned us and he's with us and he's for us. And so even in sorrow, God can produce in us joy. So we can experience joy in our hopeless seasons. Are you in one of those? Has this been a compounding series of events for you where you feel like hope is being zapped, even pulled out of you? I'm here to remind you, Jesus is here. And he has come and he is coming again. We can experience joy as we celebrate our partner. Do you realize how valuable you are not just to your parents or your spouse or your friends or your group, but to God. And that you, living with Zachariah, Elizabeth, just ongoing faithfulness is going to impact people in ways that are beyond you. Because where God's presence comes and God's activity is that they were unaware of. Beautiful things happen as a result. Do you recognize that this is about us continually living faithful to Jesus? Because it matters, and most importantly, do we remember that our joy ought to be tied to a person, to God himself? Not, not to like the situation, not, not to what we have or what we don't have, not to where we get to go or miss out on. All of those are temporary and they fade, don't they? And why every year we come back to the same old thing. 
What's keeping you? What's keeping us from experiencing that genuine, true, cannot fade when the circumstances change kind of joy, the fullness of joy? It's possible for you to go through Christmas because sometimes I've done it. It's possible for any of us. You go through all of it. You go to all the parties, do all the presents, all the things, and miss the beauty of the presence of Jesus in the middle of it. And we just don't want that for you, so we want to focus our attention. That would be a shame. So here's what I'm going to suggest, and we'll build on this next week. It's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take, if you're going to keep Jesus the center of of this season and all seasons, it's going to take some purposefulness on your part. And so what can you do? I'm just going to throw out a bunch of random things that you could do. And I'm not saying you have to or should, but maybe it sparks some creativity Uh, to make the most of the season. It it could be about this season, sing at home. I don't know if you sing at home. Uh, I'm a a singer at home, especially in the shower. It naturally comes to me because the water's going and it's just, uh, but but maybe this Christmas season, it's choosing a playlist of Jesus-centered Christmas songs and actually sing them as an act of praise, right? Because it's a short window where we usually hear them. Maybe it's keeping a a prayer journal or a Bible reading journal. Maybe you don't normally. For me, I'm hit or miss. I'm not a paper person, so I don't have a journal. But I do have notes in my uh, my app that are dedicated to my prayers and the answers. But it's sporadic. Maybe it's taking this season to say, you know what? For the next few days until the end of the year, I'm going to log one thing I'm learning or being reminded about God and one thing that I want to bring to him, one concern. It doesn't have to be every day, but maybe it's going back to that one thing every day. Maybe it's listening to the Bible. Uh, Maybe it's taking 30 minutes that you'd normally dedicate to something else and you'll say, well, I'm not much of a great reader or when I read the Bible, I get lost or get distracted. Maybe just take 30 minutes and listen to it. 10 minutes And I'm going to listen to the Bible and I'm going to invite God to get my creative imagination to see what's there that maybe I didn't see before. Maybe it's getting together and having purposeful family conversations around a meal. Um, We love to have meals together in our house, but a lot of it's like, how was your day? How was your day? Highs and lows, this, that, and the other. Maybe it's centering some of those and saying, okay, we're we're going to bring Jesus into this. Maybe it's lighting a candle and having a prayer. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. expensive. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to happen, right? I think if we are more intentional about bringing Jesus into it, we'll realize that true joy is tied to him. So wherever I invite his presence, joy is going to come with it because it comes with him. And so um, maybe it's about saying, I really want to follow him rather than just know about them. So this morning, we want to invite response. Um, we're going to in, have the team come back. We're going to continue uh, to sing. But what, what would the next step be for you to, to keep Jesus the center of this season and every season? What, what's the next step for you? Um, I think sometimes we hear things, but we, we fail to apply them. So based on what we heard about Jesus and about him being the center of joy, What's the next step? It it could be um, saying that, Jesus, because I'm following you, I'm going to, and then you fill in the blank. Or I'm going to pull away from, because I realize now that's not leading to my joy. So Lord, thank you for reminding me that's not healthy. I'm going to say no to that so I can say yes to you. Maybe it's um, 
about committing to service. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth, faithful, serving God's people. Maybe in this season, the Lord's stirring you that it's time to do more than just come and consume good things. It's, it's time to be active. It's time to give of time and energy and, and, and your ability to others for their good with no strings attached. Whatever, whatever the next step is for you. Maybe it's opening the Bible because it's just a closed book. Maybe it's spending time with a Jesus-following friend because it's less about what I can get from it, but more how I can contribute to someone else's being built up. What, 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 did any of those resonate as a, a next step? Maybe it's something totally different. Well, we want to invite, as we sing these songs, God, the Holy Spirit, who is creative in every way, to uniquely custom fit whatever the next step is for you. Um, a couple of responses that we do as a family is if you would like prayer for anything, big or small, um, we would love to join you in that. Our, our team, when we sing the first song, is going to slip to the back. And you just go to the back left, and a friend's going to be there to listen and, and call on God together with you. Maybe you feel disconnected from God or, or people in this church. We have a Get Connected table at the back, and you could just uh, meet a new friend and find out ways to connect with your church family. Whatever it is, uh, you, we can give, right? Um, we can return to God what's already his. Everything belongs to him. And in a moment, we're going to take communion after this next song. We can remember Jesus. All of these are appropriate. All of these matter. So at home, I'm going to invite you to grab the bread and the cup. After the song, we'll take it together. If you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand. And let's sing the song. And then let's uh, remember Jesus, who is our joy.